Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherwood. Inside the Game Gox Podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you Wednesday, September 15th. Hope you're doing well halfway through this month. It's flown by, folks. It happens like this. It's uh, You wait and wait and wait, and then you get to preseason camp, and the weeks go by pretty fast, and then those last two weeks are brutal, the last week especially, game week. Then it gets here, and then, like, you're sitting there wondering, where's the where's the time gone? <laughs> Uh, been a tough week for me up here. Lots of stuff popping up. Got sick dogs. Um, not red. I hope, uh, lots of stuff going on, uh, here at the Casa de Sherbert, but, uh, glad to be talking a little Gamecock football with you guys, Gamecock sports as we do. And, uh, want to thank heritage digital, uh, give Matt Odom a call. I'm telling you, he's a good guy. If you're having network issues at your business, uh, please, please give him a call. You know, I, uh, this podcast is a free product. We never have any plans on upcharging it or anything like that. And uh, how we end up uh, having the time and resources to do it uh, is based on advertising. And so uh, it, it's uh, we, we really hope that if you're out there, if you have a need or if you just want to see if you can get a better deal with your network, uh, give Heritage Digital a call. And we'll certainly talk about iHelp Consulting. Uh, when we get to the mailbag segment, plenty of mailbag questions today, as I expected, which is fine. I love them. Uh, but first, you know, news and notes, Shane Beamer press conference yesterday. Uh, you know, talked about Georgia. Georgia's very talented. Said it was one of the best Georgia teams he had seen on film. I uh, think that their depth and their athleticism on defense is is outstanding. Uh, you know, you, you kind of look at how their program has evolved and how they started recruiting guys on that side of the ball. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it's never just add five-star, two-roster, four-star to roster, and they're immediately all SEC. That's still the exception, not the rule. 
Um, but their guys have, have developed and their guys have gotten better and they're fast and big. Reminds me of some of those Alabama defenses. In fact, I think Georgia and Alabama are pretty similar defensively this year. Uh, we'll see who ends up being better at the end. But uh, certainly uh, the Bulldogs have an outstanding team, which leads you to the concern uh, of the Gamecock offense because it hasn't been, you know, exactly – it wasn't exactly stellar last week. I, the EIU game, look, man, you know, they went up and down the field, played a lot of guys. I mean, that, a game like that tells you really nothing. Uh, people can pick it apart all they want. But uh, really, <clears throat> when you look at the fact they struggled for three quarters at East Carolina, it wasn't just, oh, East Carolina played well and Carolina played sloppy. It was, it was a situation where there were several red flags. You know, you got to kind of – that's what you call them, red flags, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, getting in the right play, uh, a lot of stuff like that. And and that's, you know, that, that's coaching, that's quarterbacking, uh, that's up front. Uh, there's plenty of uh, talk to go around or blame to go around if you want to blame somebody. I mean, they won the game. And that gets me to my next point. All right. <clears throat> I understand completely – because I'm in this business and obviously if nobody wanted to discuss anything, uh, I would have to go get another job, which would be fine. I mean, I, you know, maybe I'd go be a truck driver or something like that, hit the open road and see the country. That, that sounds good to me at times. If I could drive a truck, I don't think I could, I could barely drive my truck, but uh, you know, <laughs> here's the deal. It, it, you know, you look at it and, you know, you can pick the offense apart. Obviously, number one, they left some points on the field. Uh, you shouldn't do that. Number two, they couldn't sustain drives. Number three, they couldn't run the football for three quarters. Uh, this is supposed to be a ground-based offense this year. Um, you know, there were some bright spots. Uh, you know, I, I thought, quite frankly, they they need to get Gene Bell the ball more. You know, that guy looks like he wants the ball and wants to play similar to Juju McDowell, who came in at the end and – Save the day as a freshman at running back. And, you know, and, and you don't know if Lloyd had had the outside zone opportunities or Kevin Harris or even Saquandre White, what they had done. They didn't start running it until later uh, in the game with Juju McDowell, true freshman, 11 carries, 71 yards, 61 yard kickoff return. He was spectacular, gave them the boost they needed. Um, but I understand all that. And I also understand we live in this world where, you know, the passion of college football fans <clears throat> has met technology, uh, which means every idiot on Twitter has a voice on top of that. Every idiot on Twitter thinks that his voice is the most important. Uh, and you have a lot of those people out there, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I see it when I read about other subjects, too, outside of Gamecock football, just the, the sheer stupidity uh, that's out there. People that believe facts that aren't facts. Uh, people that want to trust narratives over reality, uh, all that good stuff. And and, and we talk it to death uh, in everything we do. So back to college football, the passion of every fan base, including South Carolina's, has met with this technology. Uh, it's also met with a time in college football where there's haves and have-nots, mainly because Alabama has sucked the oxygen out of the room in a lot of ways. We're living through the greatest dynasty of our time. Uh, with Alabama, there, there's not going to be a replication of that program. Uh, if you look, uh, it, it is hard. You know, there's two programs. I've said this multiple times. 
that have gone from, ah, eh, we hope to contend in the conference of the division one day to we want to win a national title. That's Oregon. Oregon started that long road in 1977 under Rich Brooks and then Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. Uh, so it's hard to break th- break break in. I mean, it's hard. That said, there have been very few actual dynasties that have lasted this long like Alabama. Even, you know, we talked about Southern Cal and Pete Carroll and J.C. and Morgan this week. And uh, actually, you know, that's a good discussion uh, on J.C. and Morgan about the Trojans and about uh, a lot of different things. Um, and, and so check that out, by the way. That, that got dropped yesterday morning. Uh, which is one of the reasons we didn't have a podcast yesterday. I, I had intentions of doing it, but like I said, sick dogs, kids, things, things just come up, you know. <laughs> uh, by the time I got done yesterday, I was drained. But um, I'm also trying to get my fat butt in shape, so I'm up at 5 o'clock uh, most weekday mornings hitting the gym. And so I was like, oh, gosh. But anyway, let me get back to the point. I'm sorry I got off track there. Uh it's hard to break break in, and it's always been a game of have haves and have nots. But you look at the, the the teams that kind of went through, you know, Miami in the '80s and '90s. Look at them now. Nebraska was up there for a while; they were the kings. Southern Cal under Pete Carroll that was a great run, but it only lasted three years. And then got hit with probation. Lane Kiffin came in. Carroll goes to the Seahawks. Whatever. Um, you know, Texas is good, and then they're not. Oklahoma back in the day, they were good. They're not Oklahoma and Ohio State have at times been, you know, the the, the consistent runners up or the consistent playoff teams. But you know, Oklahoma hadn't won one since two thousand. That's twenty one years. Ohio State won one in twenty fourteen under Urban Meyer. But uh, you know, so this is a great period. But, but there's nothing like Alabama. I mean, as many times as LSU will jump up or Georgia will jump up or whoever during the playoff era, there's nothing like Alabama. So that, and then with the four team playoff and some of these other teams, you know, you got Alabama's dominant in the sec still, you'll have an LSU or Georgia make it in and be very nationally competitive in the other leagues. They, um, you know, it's a clear path. I mean, who really challenges Oklahoma in the big 12 who really challenge and nobody. And, and I think it's safe to say, uh, Clemson fans will not disagree with this. They, there's nobody challenging Clemson in the ACC right now. And even in the Big Ten, you know, Ohio State loses. It's a major upset. You know, the Pac-12 actually, uh, I think, doesn't get a lot of credit because they have a lot of parity in that league, a lot of good teams that would beat the snot out of an ACC or Big 12 team uh, that's maybe in the in a different tier. I know it's the ACC. Big 12, I don't know. You know, Kansas State beat Stanford a couple weeks ago, whatever. But, um, it, you know, so, so we have these this limited amount of playoff berths with an outsized emphasis on it. You got opt-outs. You got NIL. You got the whole game changing. Uh, you've got entitlement uh, out there, not necessarily with, you know, 98% of the players, but you do have it with some players. Uh, and, and entitlement will get you beat in football. It, it will uh, force you not to reach your potential. Um, and, and you've got a massive amount of media hype based on a number of factors. Number one, recruiting rankings. Uh, and I love recruiting rankings, and I've said it before. People think I'm anti-recruiting rankings or that I'm a stars don't matter guy. That's not the case at all. Uh, stars do. You look at the math. The more highly rated players you sign, 
most of the time, the better off you'll be. The problem is, is that people take that as gospel. And I will get to this uh, initial counter recruiting class expansion rule here in a second and how I think it actually benefits the Gamecocks. Um, And you've got media people hyping up guys that were once upon a time highly rated because they don't want to be wrong. Ultimately, some of it comes from 24 seven sports or rivals or wherever. Um, they really aren't that good. And then it's like guys that don't have four or five stars by their name, walk around with a scarlet letter on their chest. You know, then we get to the NFL draft and you're like, Oh, well, 16 of the 32 were not four or five stars. You know, because you know what, they're actually good players and they're actually the best. But nobody talks about that. You know, they talk about like it, like it's a miracle uh, when a three-star guy ends up being good. But the math, you know, the, the data says otherwise. You have stuff like the, the blue chip ratio, which 100% is based on winning a national championship, which is very difficult to do in college football. You know, and, and, and so you have fan bases that read into this and they don't understand really what it is. And they're like, well, we can't be good if we don't have this, that, and the other. So that's, that's, that's number one. Uh, That's caused a lot of issues. Number two is this notion that, you know, we're playing Xbox out there and that offense rules the day and that, uh, and all that. And I think last year did not help that. Um, And that, you know, it's all about quarterback and all that. And look, quarterback's the most important position on the field. There's no, you can't maximize your team. If you have quarterback issues, I don't care how talented you are. Let's just get that fact out of the way. Right. But I think some people think that, and this is not necessarily about Zeb Nolan because he, he didn't, he, he'd probably tell you he didn't play well uh, Saturday. Um, and, you know, he hadn't played well in a lot of games during his career. And I think he'd tell you that too. Uh, it's not about Carolina or Zeb Nolan. It's just about the, oh my God, you know, DJ Ungalai or Lay, Clemson's quarterback still in the Heisman hunt. He was on the board, you know? I mean, why? <laughs> you know? Uh, so I think definitely when you look at it, it's a situation where, um, you know, there's an outsized importance placed on offense. Uh, and I think that the standard that some of these quarterbacks have to live up to is ridiculous. And that is a abnormal thing. He sucks. Bench him. Play somebody else. You know who? You know, and that happens at schools across the country. Um, and again, you want to get back to Alabama. I think, you know, when Saban put Tua in in the national championship game that year, I was at that game. I didn't necessarily agree with it because Jalen Hurts obviously is a heck of a quarterback. But I think that caused some, you know, they, they need to do this all the time. You know, just let's go to the next guy or whatever. And that's just not reality when it comes to football. That's just not how it works. And you see that play out Saturdays over and over and over again. Um, You know, you look at this year, uh, everybody's freaking out about the offense and this narrative, oh, you got to be good on offense in college football these days. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You do. You know, because eventually you're going to run into a team that's going to try to outscore you and your defense is going to have a bad day and offense and the, the rules are set up for offense and all that. But, you know, this isn't 2020. You know, 2020, if you weren't scoring 40 points, you know, you were dead. And I think that's – I think a lot of South Carolina fans last year, for whatever reason, was very traumatic because the Gamecocks were suffering 
historical losses. It was the end of the Muschamp era. A lot of things didn't make sense. 15,000 families, traumatic, you know. Uh, and a lot of fans are just sitting there going, oh, my God, you know, Carolina's doomed. Maybe they are. But right now, they're 2-0. and um, And right now, if you look around college football, there's a lot of games that aren't as high scoring. There's a lot of tangible examples of defense is back. Will it hold? I don't know. The national media is not going to talk about it because they, they they thought that the 70 to 66 win over West Virginia or over Baylor by West Virginia a few years back was a great football game. It wasn't. It was a seven on seven contest. It's fun to watch. It's entertaining. And ultimately, that's why we watch sports because it's entertainment. But, but that's not good football. I mean, you know, the the whole outcry in 2011 over Oklahoma State not getting in over LSU or over Alabama in the BCS, and then that 21 nothing game in the finals, it was a boring game. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Oklahoma State would have scored more than zero points. Yes, they would have had about, you know, 14 at half, and LSU would have had about 35. Because the – that's just not, you know, there's ways to beat teams that throw it up and down the field. Um, and, and so that, that's why even Mike Leach won a 24 to 10 game over freaking NC State last week. So you're telling me defense isn't back? It's back. And so here's the good news, Gamecock fans. South Carolina's 2 and 0, and the Gamecocks have played defense better in the first two games. And I know the first opponent was overmatched. So again, not putting too much in it, they shut him out. Um, but then against East Carolina, they, they did what any SEC defense would do if they went to East Carolina. You know, they they gave up uh, one drive for a field goal, 14 plays, 67 yards. Other than that, you know, South Carolina, you know, did not – I mean, East Carolina never drove the ball for a touchdown. Um, they got them on a trick play and a 12-yard drive based on a questionable call. Um, and so the Gamecocks are playing good defense. Now, what's going to happen this weekend? The level of competition goes up. Uh, but you you have to say, you know, hey, South Carolina's back to playing good defense. And if we remember, South Carolina's program has topped out at about seven wins during seasons when they're not good on defense. Best offense in school history in 2014, seven and six. Seven and six. 2018. Uh, I know they were up and down at times, but that was a, that was a pretty good offense. When you look at the games they won by high scores and the scores they put up and all that, the yardage they got, you know, seven and six, and that defense was gutted by the end of the year. But um, you know, so uh, this is my point about all this: is that winning right now, no matter how you do it, and then again, we can discuss it, we can break it down, you be critical all you want. But being 2-0 and right now is important for this football program. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Number one, you got a new coach, Shane Beamer, uh, who you hired who never coached a game. Well, now he's coached two, and he's one of them. All right, 2-0. and That's a good start. A lot of people thought the Gamecocks would start 1-1. and There are some people out there that were convinced the Gamecocks would lose to East Carolina and Troy this year and finish like 2-10. and Seriously. Now, that, that's how much they thought of – you know, the four- and five-star talent on the defensive line and things like that. So, anyway, or Shane Beamer or whatever, you know, because there was no there were no names to attach on, you know, people like names and stuff. Um, so, that's important. You know, this program 
coming into this year had lost 19 of 27 games. It was a horrific stretch. Horrific. And I'm not overvaluing wins over Eastern Illinois and East Carolina. They should beat Eastern Illinois and East Carolina every single time they play them. You know, there's, there'd be no excuse losing to either one of those teams. But there's no excuse to lose to App State, North Carolina in 2019, was there? You know, no excuse to lose to the Citadel in 2015. Uh, and this is all eroded over time. Um, and I, I just don't – I'm not saying everybody needs to be, you know, sunshine and rainbows and hunky-dory over 2-0. Uh, in fact, you may not be, you know, you may not be at all. Uh, and there are some people that have that mindset and that's fine. I think, I think the people that feel that way are very passionate fans and everybody has a different kind of release, you know, where they deal with things and how they approach things. Uh, it's kind of funny because some of the most quote unquote negative members of the big spur, when you got to meet them in real life, they're great. They're awesome people. I mean, they're like, wow. Yeah. And they just use, they just use social media or, websites or you know sports talk radio or podcast as a release and that's fine you know people just deal with it that way but as far as when you drill it down as to what does what what needed to happen for south carolina to maximize this football team this year and i still think a bowl game uh there's enough to get there bottom line they're a third of the way there right now um when you look at what is what needs to happen the first two games uh, for South Carolina is, number one, don't struggle with Eastern Illinois, and they didn't. Number two, win at East Carolina, and they did. And, look, special teams and defense helped them. Uh, an adjustment in play calling late helped them. A true freshman running back helped them, but they won. And, really, that game was closer than it should have been, given the fact that East East Carolina never drove the football down the field, you know. Um, so, you know, we can talk about it all we want, but winning uh, is the most important thing and winning a low scoring game this year so far has been fine. I mean, you know, did you catch Texas A&M and Colorado? You know, by the way, Texas A&M's backup quarterback does not look that good right now. (laughs) You know, for those of you that want to overemphasize quarterback play, um, and Colorado's defense played well until the end, but the Aggies pulled it out in Denver, ten to seven. Ten to seven. I didn't think Texas A and M would play a ten to seven game with a Pac twelve team this year. Did you? No. But defense is back. You know, the last year was an anomaly so far. You know, last year turn on the TV and Alabama's giving up twenty eight points. Uh, Georgia Alabama was twenty one seventeen at halftime with all the defensive talent on the field. Defenses just generally did not get going. Now, you had some teams like Iowa State that, you know, kind of were web teams where they got you in their web, so to speak. Josh Pate uses that term uh, and goes there. But, uh, look, the, the bottom line is you could still win football games playing great defense and, and being good on special teams. South Carolina did it last week, you know, and that may be how they have to win this year because the scoreboard is what matters. The win column is what matters, especially in year one, of a, of, a, of a head coaching staff, a head coach and his staff coming off of, you know, a coaching transition and losing 19 of 27 games. That's the bottom line. Eight and 19, you know, and, and now you're 2-0, and oh, you know, and like I said, 
getting back to the minimum standard of this program is what you want to do this year. It's what you want to do. Um, and uh, look, and, and people people will blame Will Muschamp, and that's fine. But but what you shouldn't do is sit there and compare things that happen to Beamer with what happened under Muschamp. I mean, I see things like, oh, this is just like last year, Collard Hill. The coaches play favorites. And I'm like, this is a completely different coach. <laughs> On a, running a completely different offense under a completely different staff. And Mike Bobo didn't play favorites, but that's that's something that, you know, the fantasy land brigade will never agree with, you know. Um so, so, so how does – is that just, like I've, I've said before, is it some kind of like magical, you know, University of South Carolina thing where like, you know, the ghost of Jim Holderman comes back and possesses uh, a coaching staff to play favorites or so? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. So how, how is that possible? Uh, so that's, that's, no, that's number one. You know, you, you know I, if I have a problem with anything – it's that a lot of people out there still, oh, this, this same old as last year. Last year was last year. Go, it's profanity laced, uh, so I can't play it. Go, go look up Mike Leach's locker room, Laurent, when he's talking about last year versus this year. This is this year, and this year two and zero is exactly what they needed to be. Are there th- are there things to improve? Yes. You know, I, I see things like they won't win another game. What? <laughs> They've won two already, you know? And, and look, guys, whether you want to believe me or not, you can believe me, not believe me. Uh, I'm a relatively intelligent person here. Uh, really have a pretty good track record with things. Uh, kept saying during the Muschamp era over and over again, there's talent on this team. I wasn't just blowing that out my behind, trying to, you know, spew colored confetti out my rectum. Uh, you know, I, I believe that as someone that's, you know, had been paid to evaluate talent. before. Now, is everybody as talented as I thought? Or uh, have there been some people that I didn't think were talented uh, or talented enough that have surprised me? Absolutely. But that's football. That's football. And, and, and so, you know, I wasn't just sitting there saying that, you know, they, they have players. They have players on, on the team. Um, and. The issues on Saturday weren't a matter of talent. Maybe you could say talent at the quarterback position, but to look like execution to me, mental errors, that kind of thing. Um, and, and so being 2-0 and right now, uh, because the talent level wasn't my concern coming into the year. The ta- the, 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 my concern was, do they know how to win and overcome adversity when it happens? And that was a huge test, you know, learning how to win. Your coaches say it all the time. That's very important. And, and this team's 2-0. and out. I think they enjoy winning. I think Shane Beamer enjoys winning. Are they going to win this weekend? Probably odds are long. 30-point favorite or underdog in Athens. That's, uh, that's a little bit uh, – that's steep. Of course, this game sometimes is closer than people want to give it credit for. Historically, the border rivalry with Georgia. Uh, so, so that's my point. You know, you, number one, you know, I, I think it, 
I think it's it's ridiculous uh, to not give the defense credit um, and then continuously harp on the offense and act like that's the only way this team's going to win games. Do they need to improve to maximize the season? Absolutely. But I, I remember a lot of bad offensive games. Uh, Muschamp, Spurrier, Holtz, you name it. A lot of bad defensive games, too. And, you know, you, you didn't really get that. Every game, you know, I remember 06, they got shut out at home by Georgia. Um, that offense ended up being pretty good. You know, went down to beat Clemson that year, went down to the swamp, played them within a point. You know, I remember the 05 defense couldn't stop anybody. Then Tyrone Nix took over. I mean, you make adjustments as you go along. I mentioned the 2018 offense. Um, you know, those guys – 10 points at Kentucky and a pathetic showing just all over the field, uh, you know, fumbling and dropping passes and overfiring guys. Uh, and then you fast forward to like Ole Miss, you know, Gamecocks basically outscored them, put a lot on Clemson that year. It, it, it's just not something where after two games you can say, oh, well, you know, this, this is this side of the ball is going to be terrible all year. Uh, I'm not going to get, but 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 then I'm going to sit there and, and and move the goalpost on defense and say and special teams and say, oh well, they hadn't played anybody. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Now look. Again, the game at East Carolina was closer than it should be. Let's put it to bed. You know, uh, obviously South Carolina has to improve on offense to have any shot this weekend. Good news is I think they have they have the players to compete. Uh, he's got to go out and do it. I mean, the offensive line alone, you know, think about how much improvement those guys need to make. Uh, you know, Zeb Nolan, if he starts, which I, I don't know. I don't know if he'll start or not. You know, there, there's conflicting info. I know publicly Beamer, Beamer's dropped some hints about practice and all that. And, you know, they're, they're going to throw Luke out there till he's ready. But, um, you know, who knows? But, uh, you know, look, there's guys on that roster. Gene Bell's a guy I mentioned. I think Marshawn Lloyd has not had room to run at all, but you can see the elusiveness and explosiveness. He needs to hold on to the ball, and I think once he breaks one or two, he's going to be fine. You know, Kevin Harris didn't break a bunch of long runs until, you know, later in the season. Had the nine, he had the long one at Vandy and then the 90-yarder called back against Auburn, and then all of a sudden he was a threat to score from anywhere. And, oh, by the way, he's he's on the roster. Mentioned Juju McDowell, Jaheim Bell, Josh Vann's playing well. Jalen Brooks is playing well except for catching, you know, catching the ball, target. He's, he hadn't been targeted a lot, but he's blocking well. You know, that's important. Obviously, blocking is important. Um you know, so, so there's improvement to be made, but unlike last year where, you know, you basically had, like I said, Sha Smith and Kevin Harris, and that was it, you, you've got some other options there. Uh, and I think a big key for Marcus Satterfield is putting the ball in the hands of your playmakers and feed, feeding, the, feeding the monster, so to speak. Uh, the, the running back rotation for the last two games, and I know somebody's got to not be in, but Maybe maybe somebody can play the slot or whatever, uh, and you want to get those guys lathered up and get them carries. But the running back rotation of the last first two games looked like an NFL preseason game. 
I don't, I don't know how anybody is supposed to get going. You know, Kevin Harris didn't really get much until late. You know, you, you got Zaquandre White, uh, who I think, you know, nothing but respect for him. Uh, you know, five carries, eight yards, you know, probably a guy you can flex all over the place. Uh, but, 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 but I'm going to say that I think Marshawn, Marshawn Lloyd and Kevin Harris need to get the rock. And, and if one of those two can't do it, then I think you go to White. Um, and then you, you use Juju McDowell in a number of ways. You, but you got to get those guys the ball. And, you know, then passing game-wise, you, you, you get Bell the ball and you get to keep throwing it to Van and, you know, run some plays to the tight end, that kind of thing. So, but, but those are all things when you look at it that, that are correctable. It, it, so it's not it's not like this total the offense is dead in the water. It, it's not a situation where they're going to need to recruit their way out uh, of any. They need more wide receivers for sure. But you look at this. This is not like I got to recruit my way out of this. You know, maybe maybe some mindset guys uh, on the offensive line. Uh, but but I don't I don't know. Um, so anyway, you can win with defense. You can win with special teams. Going into Georgia, South Carolina's defense and special teams are going to have to show up. Uh, I think Carolina, and I've mentioned this many times, you look at Clemson, they didn't even really try to establish the run. UAB had limited success, but more than Clemson on the ground against Georgia. You know, you're going in there uh, with your defense and your special teams and – uh, trying to establish the run because I'll say this. Here's why, uh, you know. And look, don't run. I'm not saying run it up the middle over and over. That's ludicrous. So please, uh, but I'm saying feed Kevin Harris the rock, feed Marshawn Lloyd the rock, give Juju McDowell the ball because those guys are good enough. Jaheim Bell, those guys are good enough to where the other defense makes a mistake, and most defenses do. Georgia is a great defense. Don't get me wrong, but you know, you catch him in a mistake and you get a guy, the ball, you know, the, the game cop band is playing, you know? Uh, so it's not a hopeless situation on offense. Now, you know, and I, and I understand there's always skepticism. Like I said, they're picking apart, but it's not a hopeless situation. Um, and, and if Georgia shuts them out this weekend and they have like, 19 yards of total offense, it still won't be a hopeless situation. Georgia's good defense. You just got to pick it up and move on. So that's my that's my little thing there about winning. Number one, like I said, they're 2-0. and uh, b- Above and beyond anything else that was important to you guys as a fan or, or people that love college football or your opinion about anything above and beyond anything that you got to say, you know, including things like, ah, uh, they've got to show that they're explosive on offense. I'd rather lose 45, 41 than win 10 to seven, uh, things like that. I'm telling you right now, the most important stat uh, in terms of what this program needs not not in terms of generally in football. I mean, generally in football, winning is the most important stat. That's cliche. But in terms of the University of South Carolina football team right now, 2-0 is what exactly what the doctor ordered no, by any means necessary. Because it's year one. You know, people question oh, the Beamer hires, never coached, never done. Well, he's 2-0 now. 
you know, I just heard somebody go in my mind. So was Richard Bell. And then it all came crashing down against Duke the next week. So let's hope that in a Duke type situation, South Carolina doesn't go down. Um, you know, so, so we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens uh, with the quarterback situation. We'll see what happens with the offense. You know, I told you uh, there are things that need to change and clean up and all that. Uh, you know, I, I told everybody, well, Marcus Satterfield, I was going to give him four games and I am uh, before I, you know, say, you know, the, this, this may not, yeah, I'm not going to say this may not work because even four games is not totally fair. But as far as getting an idea, you know, I think after the Kentucky game, we'll have an idea of what the deal is on offense and all that good stuff in terms of Mark Satterfield or whatever. I, I think the first two games literally were like, let's find out some like preseason games, you know. And, and I'll say one more point. You know, they, they've talked a lot about – and you read Jaden Gibson, a four-star recruits update. He's going to announce in October. Gamecocks are in the finalists or among the finalists. Don't know if they'll get him. Uh, you know, he talked about the NFL offense, the Gamecocks are running. And I think you can sell that on the recruiting trail. Uh, I've always said South Carolina should not run a pro-style offense. And what I meant by that was like Jim McElwain's offense, Doug Nussmeyer's offense, he used to run at Alabama. Um, because Alabama's offense, as fun as it looks, is a pro-style offense. It is a pro, you know, and the NFL, you know, with the Sean McVays of the world, with Andy Reid evolving, uh, you know, Joe Brady's with the Panthers or whatever, you know, that I didn't really mean to mention Joe Brady right now in terms of NFL coordinators in the same breath as those guys, because, you know, they haven't, Panthers hadn't really done it yet, but, uh, uh, you know, the, those systems bouncing back to college have worked. Um, everybody's talking about uh, Kentucky's offense. Kentucky hasn't played what I consider to be a good defense yet in two games, uh, but their guy also came from the NFL. So, and my point with all this, when I'm talking about Marcus, I think you could have a pro style system without making it extremely complex. And I'm not saying that it's too complex now, but you know, there's a little slowness with the huddling and, and not being able to check off. And, you know, you, it's still football. You still have to, adjust at the line of scrimmage, which pro style systems allegedly are supposed to do and all that. And then some of that's on the quarterback. So uh, I wanted to add that in that I think, you know, it's fine, you know, to be a modern pro style offense, but it, it, if it's too complex, they need to pare it back down. Cause like I said, at, at some points, the first two and the first game's fine, but at some points against East Carolina too, it looked like an NFL exhibition game. Uh, let's run four guys out there. See how they do. Um, all right. Thank you for letting me do that. Heritage Digital, the uh, the uh, sponsor of the news and notes thing. Uh, by the way, injury report. It was basically Doty, uh, Beamer addressed, and then Rick Sandage, uh, still a little ways off. Still expect him back this year. By the way, um. By the way, you know, people are getting on Beamer about disclosure disclosure about Doty and the injury because, like I said, there's conflicting reports out there. Uh, look, Kirby Smart's press conference yesterday, 
you know, oh, JT Daniels is hurt. Well, now Stetson Bennett's hurt. Carson Beck's 100%, but, you know, who's going to play? Yeah. Uh, he's not telling anybody that. Uh, the Georgia Tech coach, I think they have Clemson this weekend, said, I'm not answering who's going to play. You know, nobody's talking – college football coaches don't talk about it. And until there's a rule that says you have to disclose some injuries, give them a status, then there's not going to be. Beamer is no different than anyone else, you know, as far as that goes. Now, it's a different story when a guy's out for a prolonged period of time and you ask directly about him and he goes, oh, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. And he's out for the season, which is what happened under Muschamp. <laughs> okay. Uh, that, that's a big difference than what uh, Shane Beamer's doing playing coy. Now, now, look, you know, and, and, and I'll point this out, too. It doesn't matter, okay? Uh, and the people that go, well, it doesn't matter but with winning and losing, they're right. But it's not going to cause you to lose a football game. There's no downside to it other than pissing off fans uh, who, again, are living in the past with the previous staff. You know, and, and to me that's sad because that's that's – you know, being critical of something as petty as that uh, is not giving your head coach a, a fair shot, uh, you know, to get – I mean, you know, you're sitting there talking about that. So, um, you know, that's kind of the deal there. All right, so it is time for the I Help Consulting Mailbag. Uh, and I've told you before how Daniel Owens with iHelp Consulting can save your money, uh, your business money on credit card processing, insurance, telecom, without sacrificing quality. But you may be wondering how it works. So it's very simple. You call or text Daniel 843-372-5713, 843-372-5713, I'll say it slow, and set up a quick phone call or face-to-face meeting. Then Daniel will examine where there may be savings and let you know if you're paying junk fees or if your rates are too high. You may be wondering how iHelp gets paid or that a consultant you're worried about, you know, a consultant will charge more than they are worth. You may be thinking iHelp might save $3,000 but charge you $4,000, and that's not how iHelp does business. You only pay a percentage of your first year savings. So in other words, you save a hundred bucks, you know, you, you pay out Daniel and then you save, you pocket the rest. It's, it's a no lose situation. Uh, and also not only that, but if they can't save you any money, you don't owe him a dime. And right now, this is really awesome. I help is running a half off promotion because they're in such a good mood. Gamecock football is back. So tell Daniel you heard about it right here on the podcast to receive the half off promotion exclusively for listeners of ITG. So call or text Daniel Owens right now, 843-372-5713, and give them a shot. And it's Daniel Owens, the iHelp Consulting Mailbag. And we've got two ways to get into the mailbag. First and foremost, you could tweet. Follow at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. Also, follow uh, Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. And uh, we got a couple of tweets. First of all, Tom says, JC, I've heard you say many times that USC needs to be unique on offense to be successful. 
based on what you've seen so far, is this scheme unique? Well, I don't know. I mean, you unique. Yeah, I don't. There's been such a hodgepodge of things. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm going to give it time, but you know, I, I know Tom. You always like to trash things before they uh, before they really happen and jump the gun in a extremely negative manner. Uh, so it's not surprising that you sent that tweet, but I appreciate you listening anyway. Thomas says, JC, with the Pac-12 looking on the rise, does this help South Carolina's recruiting? I guess my theory is less recruits leaving the West to go to Clemson and Georgia. Um, they don't really get that many from the West Coast. Uh, Alabama does. You know, Georgia – We'll see if Kendall Milton ends up being one of their best backs or one of their great backs. Uh, I know they got a kid from Arizona in the secondary. You know, I know Clemson has DJ and a, maybe a couple of receivers from California. But, you know, it, it just depends. You know, I, and I think, I think this, I think, you know, w- with Clemson specifically, you know, you look and they go and, and pluck guys out of places they used to not. You know, by and large, their their recruiting is national, and then you know they've started to go out to Missouri a little bit and Kansas, and you know they go to the West Coast, they, Michigan. I mean, they they recruit all over, but you know guys like T Higgins, you know who fifteen years ago would have gone to Tennessee, guy like Travis Etienne who would have gone to LSU. You know that's what's been impressive because that's kind of what Alabama does when you're talking about individual players. Um. I have yet to see, you know, and, and I know DJ's the starter quarterback this year at Clemson and all that. I, I've yet to really see um, a California guy at either one of those places that I would consider invaluable. And, and JT Daniels, of course, for Georgia, is from California, but he's a transfer, so that was a little different. Um so, so I, I don't know. You know, I, I think the Pac-12 in general has been hemorrhaging recruits. And so if those recruits stay, obviously that's it. But I, I'm not so sure that, you know, <laughs> recruiting California has been the best strategy for everybody. You know, and, and that has nothing to do with DJ at, at Clemson or, or whatever. I keep pronouncing his last, last name. That's so why I'm just calling him DJ. I'm not on a first-name basis with the guy. Thomas says, also, how do we know if Coach Sad is the guy? I don't want OC to be a revolving door like it was under Will. You just got to wait and see, man. I mean, we've got four quarters of football against a bad FCS team that was fine. Oper- it was functional. Uh, we got three dysfunctional quarters at East Carolina, first road test. And then a fourth quarter where he made some adjustments. So, I don't think you're going to know after this weekend. Uh, I said I'm going to wait to really pick it apart until after Kentucky, but you're really not going to know then. You just got to kind of look and see what's going on. I'll tell you this, you know, you have to be able uh, – and, it, and it's weird because that, that's the whole idea between Nolan being on the field is that he could run the offense. And, you know, he, he's got to be able to check into good plays, set up the protection, do the things that – you know, the the quote-unquote game-managing quarterbacks are supposed to do. And that's just not – that just wasn't happening. That just wasn't happening for three quarters 
Um, also, you know, you, you have to kind of wonder when you see App State destroyed East Carolina with outside zone and then it worked with the Gamecocks, why didn't they go to that early? You know, were they not getting the right look or, or what? So I, I don't know, you know, and, and we'll see. I, you know, I'll be I'll be disappointed this weekend. I won't say if Satterfield's the right guy or not. I'll be disappointed this weekend if they don't come out with some sort of better plan to run the football. Because I, I, I love inside the inside zone play. And, and again, there's a difference between inside zone and then zone read, which is when the quarterback can pull it. Um, the inside zone play is great for a lot of teams. Uh, but you know, you see it in the NFL, the, these, these guys do it over and over and over again. And it just doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. And if it's not moving the needle, you need to do something else. South Carolina's running backs are too good to just keep running them into everybody, you know, uh, and people automatically blame the offensive line, but, uh, that's that. So, you know, I, I I would rather not be a revolving door on, on offense either, but I'll say this, you got to get that higher, right? You know, you, you can't just sit around and go, oh, well, we're just going to keep Mark Satterfield because he's a good guy. But, you know, I think we're way, way far away from that. Way far away from that. Um, and I know I should have gotten on you a little bit by saying Will Muschamp, but, you know, uh, let's flip the script. Steve Spurrier, John Thompson, Tyro Nix, Ellis Johnson, Lorenzo Ward, John. H- I mean, yeah, he had a lot of defensive guys. He he went through. So, uh, and again, I, I think for South Carolina, when you consider, you know, when have they been? When, uh, ponder this: when have the Gamecocks been good? Uh, it's when they've had a defense. Bottom line: this school, this program, has not been. Better than seven wins in a great year, uh, unless they have had uh, outstanding defenses, and it's because of the area you recruit. I mean, you can go, you can go get good defensive linemen and linebackers and DBs. So uh, that's that there, you know. So I, I don't even know if revolving door is, you know, something that <clears throat> you know is necessarily a negative. I think it's much more important to get it right if it doesn't work out. Um, and again, I, I, we've said this and said this about Kurt Roper, and this is why I've said, I've kept my mouth shut about Marcus Centerfield. And I've said over and over, I like the plan. I like what they're trying to do on paper. Uh, when you hear about the concepts and stuff, it's, it's good, but Kurt Roper was a master on the chalkboard. Couldn't call it in game at all. No feel, Stressed out, yelled all the time. Name me one good offensive. Now, not, I'm not talking about defensive coordinators. Name me one good offensive coordinator that's a yeller. You know, Steve Spurrier would get upset on the sidelines uh, and was noted for that. But he was more of a needler and a, fr- and a frustrated guy. Kurt, Kurt Rupert was just yelling guys. Dog cussing. Like he was a defensive guy. Uh, I was told that legit. These guys are tired of getting cussed out every day. Uh, and, then, and then he doesn't know how to call a game. So, uh, and I've heard nothing bad about Marcus Satterfield in, in, in that direction either, but just some guys are really good on the chalkboard, not really good overall. You know, uh, no feel during the game. And, and I'm hopeful that maybe that's not the case 
that maybe against East Carolina, it wasn't necessarily the play calls. It was the adjustments at the line. And maybe that's more on the quarterback More teaching needs to be done. But, you know, the, 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 there were some concerns Saturday, definitely. But, but I, you know, that's one game. It's a game they won. Uh, you move on and, and you see sort of uh, how things evolve in the coming weeks. Thanks, Thomas. Don't be a stranger. You know, don't be a stranger. All right, so the second way to get into the iHelp Consulting inbox. Uh, and again, uh, Daniel Owens is running a special. You can get half off, 843-372-5713. And again, you know, if he saves you thousands of dollars, you're going to get savings. You just, you don't have to pay uh, anything that you don't save. So business owners, uh, you know, and, you know, sometimes you look at it and you're like, ah, I don't need a consultant. And I'm like that, you know, like, hey, what are you consult me on how to run my business? But in this case, uh, there's no risk. There's no risk because, number one, if he can't save you any money, you're not going to pay him a dime. Number two, he saves you money. All he takes is a percentage. There's no, like, big fee. And you get half off. So, again, Daniel Owens, I help Consulting, 843-372-5713, proud sponsor of the I Help Consulting mailbag. All right. Hudson says, Saluda his alma mater, Saluda Tigers, are taking on Rabin County and Gunnar Stockton. He said, this is something all Gamecock fans, they're Friday night in Saluda, something all Gamecock fans won't maybe want to hear about, even if they didn't hang on to Gunnar. Sure wish he was still headed to Columbia next year. Yeah, I think he's a good player. Uh, but they're also going to have a log jam at Georgia at quarterback. So we'll see how that transpires. Uh, Snyder, Chris, says two questions here. Number one, do you think that part of the issue with the play calling and offensive performance against ECU was the fact the playbook had to be drastically reduced with Zeb? With Zeb being nowhere near as athletic as Doty, you think that only 35 to 40% of the playbook would be available? I anticipate them being much more diverse when Doty is back. Right and wrong. Um, the quarterback run game is missing, but your percentages, I think, are that's not 65% of the offense. Or 60, like 10, 15. Uh, yeah, so the, so the, that's, you know, they need Doty back, obviously, um, because of what he can do and he can be another weapon on offense. But they had, they had more weapons <laughs> on Saturday than what they, what they were able to, to fire. Does that make sense? Um, number two, why was everybody so pissed at Kelly Stouffer? all of the games Saturday. I was at the Gamecock bar in Charlotte, so I didn't get to hear the broadcast. He's just not very good. Neither was the play-by-play guy. They were just not very good. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. And I don't – you know, if somebody out there wants to send me a, an email inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com to the inbox here, uh, if he said something specific. Uh, but I, I just I just remember sitting there going, shut up, you know. And I was – I had the sound on at the place I was watching it, and I was just like, good God, you know. Uh, of course, sometimes when you're in a, fr- a, a, a nerve-wracking, frustrating game like that, when your team's not playing well, everything's amplified. So that's a possibility, too. But if Stover said something uh, that was wrong or ridiculous or insulting, uh, one of you guys drop me a line and let me know. Uh, thanks, Chris. Don't be a stranger. 
Um, okay, so this came in from a, a phone number. <laughs> I'm not going to give the phone number out, so we'll just we'll call it uh, call it uh, emailer A. All right, he says, sorry, JC. Oh, okay, so hold on. This is a two-parter uh, inbox. All right, so there we go. He said, uh, all right, hey, he said, I always appreciate your podcast with your honest approach. If, again, if these fans truly want to win, then be supportive. These are teenagers like your own neighbors, like, and trust coaches. Majority of your fans never played at this level or any level. Save your opinions for politics or the news media. We are USC. Interesting. And he said he has to add this before Sunday's game, Saturday's game. With Georgia's big D-line, maybe corner runs will wear them out. Then SEC can, Nation can ask who put the dogs up. <laughs> yeah, Paul Feinbaum. They will destroy South Carolina. I'm like, is this Star Wars? I believe the dogs will slaughter the Gamecocks and destroy their planet. Whatever. Maybe so. Maybe Paul's right. Destroy. Destroy. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe I'm overvaluing the D-line and the defense. and You know, maybe the offense is a dumpster fire. I don't know. And, and look, a lot of first-year head coaches take the, you know, wherever they go, Steve Spurrier included, uh, they'll tote some butt whippings, you know, when you're at a place the first year. So that may be coming Saturday. Uh, I'm not going to be too worried about it. I'll sit here and break it down and answer it and, and all that. Uh, what I don't want to hear is any kind of crap like, oh, there's just such a wide gap. We'll never get there because you never know. Next year could be a three-point game. Next year in Columbia, they could win. You know, you just teams change year to year. Players get better. Players sometimes don't get better. So uh, there is a gap roster-wise. Um, but uh, you know, the Gamecocks are talent-wise just as good as a lot of teams in the league. You know, so anyway, uh, but um, you know that destroy. And then oh, the twenty-four-seven uh, sports. SEC power rank. They have the Gamecocks behind uh, Tennessee. You guys seen anything out of Tennessee compared to the Gamecocks that, besides scoring more points last Saturday at home against Pitt, uh, especially early, you know, that makes you think that's a drastically superior team to South Carolina? Anybody seen that? Anybody think that? I don't know. Me neither. Uh, so, anyway, Justin. From Jackson, Mississippi, Mr. White from Jackson, Mississippi. My Christmas two years ago, spent it in Chicago. Christmas in Dixie. Brought a tear to my eye right there, missing home. Uh, anyway, Justin's from, or Mr. White's from Jackson, Mississippi. He's JC. I have a question about the secondary, specifically Marcellus Dow. I haven't heard his name much, and he hadn't been in on many, if any, pass breakups or interceptions. Is this similar to J.C. Horn where nobody's targeting him because the receiver's never open given the other DBs opportunities to make plays? Or how do you think the secondary's doing as a whole? Oh, they're going to get tested more this week. 
you know, JT and the, the key is to help the secondary. Uh, when you got personnel like Georgia and like Kentucky's got, and is keep that pass for us going, man. The SEC is full of great defensive lines and full of great talent. They're not full of great offensive lines, as we've seen. Uh, so you got to do that. As far as the secondary this year, you know, the one thing that stands out is these guys are tackling really, really well right now. And, you know, they're in position to make tackles, and then they they make them. Cam Smith, as impressive as his past breakups have been and all that, and I know people, he needs to calm down. Yeah, he doesn't need to get penalties, but I wouldn't put a, you know, a leash on him. You know, I wouldn't tell him to dial back his emotion. He's an emotional player. A lot of corners are. And he's playing like the guy that was a borderline five-star coming out right now. Um, so, as a whole, yeah, I think Darius Rush has been the right place, right time. He's had good coverage. and You know, heck, Darius is 6'2", 195, runs 4'4". I mean, he's a great athlete. He's just kind of been coached up. Uh, Jalen Foster is contributing in a major way. Uh, whether that's special teams, whether that's tackling, you know, Jalen Dickerson's playing well. RJ Roderick looked good. Uh, but you mentioned Marcellus Dial, so I'll get to that. Uh, you know, I he was in on a pass breakup, I think, Saturday, but I just, I, they haven't, nobody's really, unless I'm missing something, very little has he been in coverage and, and all that. Um, and sometimes, just like offensive line, if you're not hearing a guy's name a lot, that's a good thing, you know. And I think Marcellus has played really well. Uh, we've heard a lot about Cam Smith and a, a lot about um, uh, uh, Darius Rush because Darius has, you know, some plays that he's made. Uh, and Cam's been all over the place, but Dial, not so much. And I, I'll say this, too. In the run game, um and I think this is a scouting thing that, that's blown up in East Carolina's face, maybe Eastern Illinois too. If you're watching Cam Smith from previous years and breaking it down, you're like, ah, that guy's not a great tackler because he wasn't. And so they may be trying to go with him instead of Dial because Dial is a guy that can be physical and tackle on the perimeter and all that. But no, Dial's doing fine. Um, and I get it. And look, guys, look. If you got a question about a specific player, uh, you know, normally I'd be like, well, don't freak out just because you hadn't heard their name. You know, people think Rashad Amos isn't even on the team now. That's not true. Uh, ask me. I- I'll find. I'll get you an answer. Uh, I'll get you an answer. Or I'll tell you I don't know or something like that. But I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Don't don't put out, you know, oh, this guy's been a disappointment because you hadn't heard his name. Not saying you were doing that, Mr. White. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, ask me. I'll, I'll be glad to answer without question thank you so much Tristan (laughs) that's a good question do you know if our quarterbacks have the authority to call audibles I've always wondered this in college I always feel like there's an audible to beat uh, a certain look from the defense too often I feel like we run into the teeth of it I I think that's exactly and yes audibles uh you know everybody hated Colin Hill last year or whatever because uh, it was frustrating and they were losing and Colin's kind of a methodical player and you get with methodical players, you know, when you're losing, you're like, Oh man. And I get that. Uh, but Colin was really good at audible and, and, and checking off at the line of scrimmage. And, and, you know, 
when you got a guy that was a graduate assistant that supposedly knows the offense, you would think that would be what they do all the time, get us in the right play. Um, and, and like I said, you know, people make a big deal out of huddling and, and all that, but they talk, oh, we're going to huddle up, and that's different. That is different to today's game. But maybe, maybe they need to uh, trash the huddle. Because no matter how good – I mean, and not audibling is ridiculous. You know, unless it's like a real true freshman quarterback and you got to call it and haul it, so to speak, you know, I mean, no, you, you need your quarterback to audible. Or you need to do a check with me. Uh, maybe call plays from the side. I don't know. Check with me and, and get a new play in. Uh, you know, Steve Spurrier, his quarterbacks are either audible or he would audible. You know, uh, and of course he was a great one, but same thing with GA, same thing with every play caller, even Kurt Roper. So not audibling is insane. Okay. Because you're never, I mean, you know, you're not, that's a guessing game. That's whack-a-mole. Um, and I, and I'm sure they did have some, some audibles on them, hopefully, but, uh, absolutely, you know, that has to change. If you've got to scrap the huddle, who cares? Because, like I said, nine times out of ten, uh, I don't care if everybody in the huddle knows exactly what they're going to do. If it's the wrong play against the wrong look, and then defenses change once you get the line of scrimmage. I mean, you know, they're, they're shifting and stuff. So you got to be a little more. The chess match actually has to be, you know, pre-snap right there, in my opinion. Uh, you know, and I'm not a coach, but it sure looked like there were a lot of times when – Man, you could have changed that play up and had a bigger play, you know, and, and all that. And I don't, I don't know that Zeb's comfortable with the RPO game or not. But there's, you know, there's RPOs in this offense, but it's not. I mean, the, I, you know, so, so that's my thing. You know, not audibleing is insane. You know, not being able to change the play at the line of scrimmage is. I mean, there's high schools that do that. So, um, so yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, most colleges, I mean, I don't know if a college has done at least, you know, and look, it doesn't necessarily have to be the quarterback calling it. Like I said, you could do what's called a check with me. In other words, you're up the line, you line up, you look at the defense. They used to do this under Spurrier and Muschamp. Line up, look at the defense, look to the sidelines, and then you see what the play, plays are. And if that's too complicated for the bunt, you know, maybe, maybe you need to uh, – I mean, they said they'd installed a bunch of stuff. Maybe you need to pare it down. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is there. I just know that has to change because Georgia is going. I mean, Georgia's well coached defensively. They're gonna they're gonna show you some looks, and it's not gonna be the look that you think you're gonna get. I mean, yeah, you have to be able to change it. Tristan, another great great email. Thank you. Don't be a stranger. Noah says, "Hey JC, I'm enjoying the show from Charlotte." Keep up the great work. I don't know if you saw the Bears-Rams game Sunday night, but if Luke Doty's still unavailable next week, what do you think about using DeCarry and Joyner in a similar role to the Bears use Justin Fields, running a few option plays and design runs? It would be an unexpected wrinkle for Georgia, and Joyner should be able to do it being a former quarterback and a loose ball carry. Just an idea to throw Georgia off. Um, yeah, I liked, what the, uh, I liked what the Bears did with Fields, but I – there, Matt Nagy's trying to save his job. Okay, and and in the NFL, I've seen, and this drives me crazy about the NFL. Sometimes I've seen I've seen coaches and general managers do this. So they start off the season with a washed up quarterback, and you got a hot shot rookie. 
and that would be Andy Dalton. And you lose, and you start one and four, right? Oh, God. So everybody in Chicago or Green Bay, you name it, wherever, Green Bay has their own issues. Um, you know, coaches not well liked to begin with. Had you not drafted Justin Fields, and, and, and again, I'm not – I'm using the Bears as an example here. Do not draft a Justin Fields. Nobody would be excited, uh, you know, but Justin Fields gives you hope. But, you know, it's the NFL, and so they're going to, oh, we're going to start the, we're gonna start Andy Dalton. And, again, like it's changing the play of the line of scrimmage, things like that, that's probably why you start Andy Dalton. But I, I got a sneaky suspicion that they're going to start Andy Dalton. They're going to start one and four. And then they put Fields in because allegedly, you know, he, he's he's just better ready to go now. Uh, and then he gets you to what seven and nine, eight and eight. But that means you're what six and three since he took over. And so, oh, the, the future's bright. Let's not fire anybody. And then a lot of times that rookie quarterback the next year goes into a sophomore slump and they get fired anyway. Uh, but that's what I think as far as Joiner goes. Um, one of the things I just hated the first two games universally was when they decided to go Wildcat and what happened when he came in um, with Joyner. Uh, I, I think that's definitely more of a red zone package right now just because of how it's being executed and the bizarre times that they decided to go to it. Um, I would also direct snap it to Jaheim Bell or, or Kevin Harris or, you know, in kind of – uh, shoot, high school I covered one time called it a stallion package with uh, they, it was it was Burns with Marcus Lattimore. They just it was Bobby Bentley. He just uh, direct snapped it to Lattimore and he ran. You saw some of that with Mark Ingram in uh, back in on it. But the Wildcat isn't something that's necessarily you know part of a lot of offenses these days. I mean, people go to it here and there, but it's like. That's uh, sort of one of those things that was mid two thousands in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe you're trying to bring it back. I don't know. Uh, sometimes though, I think if you need a you need a rushing yard or five or ten, uh, I'd almost rather go under center eye formation, double tight ends with Jaheim Bell lead blocking for Lloyd or Harris or Juju McDowell. That's just I mean old school. You want to go back old school. Line up and you know try to punch somebody in the in the throat because uh, you have the backs to do it. So that's an idea, but that's, that's not it's not a bad idea uh, going to that in the red zone, uh, especially you know you got a guy like Joiner who's good at finding holes and stuff. I would like to see to carry on when he gets the snap. Um, look to go for north south a little quicker, uh, start a little faster, that kind of thing. But that that's that's probably my least favorite part of. The whole I, th- I feel like those plays have just been completely wasted and they've come at weird times. Thanks, Noah. Join the show from Charlotte. So we got Jackson, Mississippi. We got Charlotte, North Carolina. Yesterday we had Kyoto, Japan, Fairfield, Connecticut. It's a national audience, folks. Colin Cowherd, eat your heart out. Anyway. Mark says he's quoting Jimmy V and it's not never give up. Survive and advance. ECU win was huge just from a morale standpoint. We won big on defense and special teams. 
There's a local guy on Twitter that broke down some of our run plays yesterday, and it seemed like a lot of times the running backs missed the holes on the plays. I don't. That's hard for me to believe. I've seen that, and it looks that way. But it's hard for me to believe that just because of who these backs are. I mean, they're guys that hit the hole. So, and, and Beamer mentioned something about this, like the protections got called wrong or got confused. And maybe the run, you know, I mean, and, and if that's the case, they're surprised it had been more fumbles or exchanges that were messed up. Uh, with some slightly better vision and awareness after handoffs, I believe our run game would improve. Yeah, and that's why, I, you know, I think they need to get Kevin Harris leathered up a bit because he's a guy that can kind of, as the year went on last year, the team sort of started keying on him. He had the ability to cut back and stuff like that. Lloyd's going to be able to do that too, and White's kind of a slasher and can do that, and certainly McDowell can find the hole. But, um, you know, Kevin Harris has done it for a year and, and is really good at it. Mixing in more pin and pull plays early in the game would at least keep defenses off balance. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if they do the pin and – I don't know if they call it the pin and pull um, with this offense. They have the outside zone. Uh, but, yeah, shoot. I mean, the more, the more you get away from just pounding that inside zone, which just doesn't – you know, sometimes it doesn't work <laughs> – um, you know, and, and that's that's the with the exception of Zaquandre White's big run against Eastern Illinois, Gamecocks have gotten not much straight up the gut this year. And you've got two big guards and a veteran the veteran center. You got a guard that started 23 games in Jovan Gwynn, and you got Eric Douglas at center, who was really good last year, and then Jalen Nichols is 327 pounds. So, but yeah, anything to keep that. And I didn't like either the the kind of the Amarian Brown. Let's give it to him eight yards behind the line of scrimmage thing. He's Amarian's a guy that's got great straight line speed. Now he's elusive, but they need to go downtown to him. I mean, Jalen Brooks eventually will catch one. Don't get me wrong, but man, Amarian Brown. Again, he gets behind the defense, and you hit him in stride, and the band's playing. Without question, um, you know. So I like getting him involved, but I, I like it a lot better when he's not that far behind the line of scrimmage. And then you know the the reverse they ran for Van that was all Van that wasn't blocked well either. And I didn't mind that one so much. But yeah, mixing in different types of runs and, and all that, uh, I definitely think would help the Gamecocks uh, and not Wildcat. Uh, unless you're talking about like Noah's idea where you do it inside in the red zone. But even then, you know, you're on the road against Georgia. You drive all, if you drive all the way down there, you're really going to put the wildcat on them right then. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe if you got a turnover deep in their territory, you try it, but points are going to be hard to come by against those guys, and I just don't know that you change it up like that unless it's something you've really worked on that you know will work uh, as long as you execute. Good deal, Mark. Survive in advance. And that, that should be the theme this year, survive in advance. Um, and then once you get to six wins, you just everything else is gravy. Gravy. All right. Cartwright. Hey, J.C., People have really complained about the offense, and I guess I get that. I cannot help but feel that we have been somewhat vanilla on purpose. 
I think it's UGA Kentucky. We'll see the offense open up a little bit. With Eastern Illinois, we only went deep once. I don't think it's because we know how or want to. That would go against what we saw and what the coaches claimed they wanted to in the offseason. In the second half of the ECU game, we didn't go deep until we realized we had to. Um, They went deep. They took some shots early against ECU. It was earlier than they did against Eastern Illinois. but uh, And they took a shot against Eastern Illinois early. But then then they kind of settled in. Um, I think that's one thing when you're talking about this offense that you know, Nolan does throw a good deep ball when he has time and can set. Uh, it's not perfect, but deep balls aren't normally in football. Um, now there's a, you know, there's some instances where deep balls have been thrown great. Jake Bentley threw several. Ryan Helensky threw one, one time against Georgia. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I mean, you know, Nolan can do that. And, what I think has to happen is you got to run the ball. And, and my, my feeling on this is Georgia's been so overwhelmingly good up front and with their whole defense, really. I don't know that they're going to stack the box. I, I think they're going to say we can dominate them with our D-line, with their O-line, and drop back and avoid it, keep all the plays in front of us and avoid explosives and things like that. Will they be right? I don't know. But uh, I think what you have to do Saturday is if they play you like that, depending on how they play, maybe they do stack the box, is get the run game going, man. I mean, there's there's the first two teams have stacked the line of scrimmage. Georgia plays back, run the ball. You know, because Kevin Harris, Marshawn Lloyd, Juju, those guys are good enough to make guys miss. And then all of a sudden it's a foot race in the secondary. Or it's at least a first down. You know, every time you know, people talk about Marshawn, every time Marshawn Lloyd's had room uh, and he's made guys miss, it's 10, 11 yards. And, and, and we're only two games into the season. <sighs> Declarations two games into the season. Not a, not a single conference game has been played. But so, yeah, I, I think – and I think that – so then you start running, so they have to creep guys up, and then you got some one-on-ones deep, and you hit them over the top. I, I think as long as Zeb Nolan's the quarterback, that's probably going to be what the offense is. One of the issues is they, they haven't been able to run the ball. Probably because they haven't been calling the right run plays. I don't know. We'll, we'll see, you know. Cartwright continues. I really feel like we haven't seen this offense for what it is yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I, you know, it's eventually going to be have more of an identity because right now, like I said, it looks like an NFL preseason game. What that identity is and how successful that identity will translate, I don't know. A lot of things have to get better, and football players do get better. Football teams change, so that's it. I'm not sure if we'll be able to see it for UGA either, but definitely we'll know once we play Kentucky. Also, I will be at that game. Where do you typically sit for games? My father, brother, and I got season tickets this year, and I'll be driving down from Noonan, Georgia. All right, so we got Jackson, Mississippi, Charlotte, Noonan, Georgia, checking in on the Inside the Game Cox podcast. Um, I've got uh, for the Kentucky game. I've got like three of my lifelong friends and their spouses are all coming, uh, along with me and, and my girl. Uh, you know, and I, I think I think we got tickets at East Upper because I had to get eight eight of these bad boys, and so you know I was like, hey, I'm not I'm not going to fork out the. Uh, I hadn't sat in East Upper since shoot 
early 2000s. So I, I, uh, I forego, I, 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 I didn't go with the club level like I normally do. Um, and that's fine. I can't wait to sit up there. Uh, so that's, that's where I'm sitting, but normally I'm in a club club level seat somewhere. Uh, I've sat in the zone before champions club. I love East club. West club is good. Uh, hadn't been since the, the new remodels or whatever. So we'll see Cartwright from noon in Georgia. Thank you, my friend. Hopefully you enjoy the Kentucky game. And that's all the time we have today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Uh, it's about 30 minutes till JB and Goldwater in my segment, which is always fun. Be sure to check that out. Be sure to check out the Big Gamecock preview show with Michael Flint, JB, Goldwater, and myself on Friday. Uh, we'll be going through everything and giving a prediction. Prediction Thursday tomorrow, sponsored by Cindy Searfoss Realtors. Uh, give Cindy a call in Spartanburg. If you need help buying or selling a home, Caldwell Banker Kane is her company, 864-414-5271. Thanks to iHelp Consulting, as always, for the sponsorship of the mailbag and uh, also, obviously, Heritage Digital. We've run out of space for advertisers on the podcast, but I've gotten some emails about it, so I wanted to mention this at the end. Uh, and you can email me inside the gamecocks at gmail.com. There is a, there are sponsorships available with JB and Goldwater. And frankly, they have a bigger daily audience than this podcast. This podcast gets thousands of downloads. Don't get me wrong. The numbers are great, but they're a daily show and then they archive it and all that. So, and they're, they're a statewide audience just like I am. So if you got, uh, if you want to get some Gamecock affiliated uh, ads done, like I said, I'm full now, uh, but because uh, I don't, I don't want to get more than what we've got here because, it, you know, uh, you the listener. But um, hit me up. And, uh, you know, like my segment on JB and Goldwater is extremely popular. And, uh, and I'm not bragging. I'm very fortunate. Uh, and it's different. It's a little more entertaining, funny, loose, that kind of thing. Uh but yeah, it needs a sponsor too. So you can uh, you can hit me up, and that's not the big Gamecock preview show, preview show. That's my Wednesday segment. Uh, so hit me up. We'll see if we can work something out with those guys. Also, JC and Morgan uh, podcast, a national college football podcast. Uh, inventory available there as well. Just gotten some questions about it. You know, not trying to sell anything. It's reasonable. You know that type of deal. But if you want, if you want in. We can get you in, just not here, you know, because this is this is full, you know. And uh, like I said, I promised the listener we weren't going to go ad crazy, and we're not. So this is J.C. Sherbert. I am signing off. Uh, prediction Thursday tomorrow. We wrap up on Friday. Uh, you know, that, that'll be that for the week uh, here on the pod and then back with Georgia Thoughts the following week. I appreciate each and every one of you. Please keep in mind, 2-0 is the most important thing that this program could have right now. No matter how discombobulated the offense looked in Greenville, North Carolina, or how much you're worried about the SEC schedule, or how this team looks better, or that team looks better, or whatever, 2-0. Uh,
most important thing because that's his, that's his, the, the best start they could possibly have uh, after two games. All right, folks, y'all take care. Uh, see you on the bigspur.com or elsewhere. JB and Goldwater, uh, lots on the Game Cost podcast, the other places you find me each and every week. I'll talk to you guys soon.